Hello, my friends. Thank you so much for tuning in to Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast. This show is for veterans, first responders, and their families, and honestly, for anybody who wants to recover from trauma. We are on a mission to save lives and relieve pain by making help for PTS injuries easily accessible. Our vision is of a world where the path to recovery is clear. Please help with this mission by following and rating this show on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify. This simple action will help others find help for PTS injuries. Your help in promoting this podcast could be saving a life. And we are live with another edition of Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast for veterans, first responders, and their families. Today on the show, I have Dr. Debbie Silver. She is the president and founder of the Post-Betrayal Transformation Institute. She is also a best-selling author and a TEDx speaker. Debbie, thanks for being here. Thanks so much. Looking forward to our conversation. Well, I am too, and I'm curious to see which way it's going to go. I've got some questions that might be great and, and might throw us off into a different tangent. I'm not sure. Where I wanna, wanted to start was what is post-betrayal syndrome? Let's mm-hmm. uh, start there. Yeah. Well, that was one of the three discoveries made during my PhD study. And just to back up, you can imagine no one studies betrayal unless you have to. Uh, so it's my 30th year in business and I was in health and then mindset personal development, had a really painful betrayal from my family, thought I did everything I needed to do to heal from that. And then it happened again a few years later. This time it was my husband. That was the deal breaker. So got him out of the house. And, you know, I'm one of those believers that if nothing changes, nothing changes. So here it was, four kids, six dogs, a thriving business. And I said, a book isn't going to help me get out of this jam. I need a whole PhD in it. So I enrolled in a, a PhD program in transpersonal psychology psychology of transformation and human potential. While I was there, I did a study. I studied betrayal. What holds us back? What helps us heal? And what happens to us physically, mentally, and emotionally when the people closest to us lie, cheat, and deceive? That study led to three groundbreaking discoveries, which changed my health, my family, my work, my life. So post-betrayal syndrome was one of those three, and I'm happy to share exactly what that's about. Well, let's start with the physical, because people don't often see how there could be a physical side effect from trauma injuries, whether it be betrayal, uh, PTSD, CPSD. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's interesting, even clinicians um, that don't know that IBS is is quite common, actually, uh, with trauma injuries. They're like, what are you talking about? What yeah. are you talking about? How do you not know this? So what are some of the more more um, unpredictable physical things that happen to us as a result of post-betrayal syndrome? Sure. And and I, I actually, every few months, I pull the stats from our post-betrayal syndrome quiz that's on our site to see to what extent they're struggling. We've had 80,000 people take it, men, women, every age, just about every country's represented. So now imagine out of all of those people, um, you want to hear some stats? These are these are staggering. So this is now specific to the trauma of betrayal. 78% constantly revisit their experience. 81% feel a loss of personal power. 80% are hypervigilant. I mean, that's just exhausting right there. 94% deal with painful triggers. 
and those triggers can take you right down. Uh, now, the most common physical, 71% have low energy, 68% have sleep issues, 63% have extreme fatigue. So you can sleep a whole night, you wake up, you're exhausted. That's how you know your adrenals have tanked. 47% have weight changes. So in the beginning, maybe they can't hold food down. Later on, they're using food for comfort. And to your point about IBS, 45% have a digestive issue. And that could be anything, Crohn's, IBS, diverticulitis, constipation, diarrhea, you name it. The most common mental symptoms, 78% are overwhelmed, 70% are walking around in a state of disbelief, 68% are unable to focus, 64% are in shock, 62% can't concentrate. So you can't concentrate, you have a gut issue, you're exhausted, you still have to work. You still have to raise your kids or whatever other obligations you have. That's not even emotionally. Emotionally, 88% experience extreme sadness. 83% are very angry. Real common to bounce back and forth between those two emotions. 82% feel hurt. 80% have anxiety. 79% are stressed. Just a few more. Here's why I wrote the book Trust again. 84% have an inability to trust. 67% uh, prevent themselves from forming deep relationships because they're afraid of being hurt again. 82% find it hard to move forward. 90% want to move forward, but they don't know how. What does this do to the, uh, the suicide rate must be extraordinarily high for those that are suffering from post-betrayal syndrome? The suicide rate, the actual number, I don't know, but I know that uh, there are comments on the quiz. There's a, there's a, um, a question on the quiz that says, is there anything else you'd like to share? And what people share is so devastatingly painful. I mean, the, the hurt, I mean, this was the person, these were the people they trusted the most. So when this is the person, these are the people to shatter that very sense of trust, you can imagine it's, it's absolutely debilitating. And, um, you know, and, and the worst part about this is not only, first of all, you didn't hear me read any stat, 20%, 30%, you know, these numbers are high. Uh, and also it's not necessarily from a recent betrayal. This could be from the parent who did something awful when you were a kid. This could be from the girlfriend or boyfriend who broke your heart in high school. So now imagine that person may not even know, care, or even remember. And here we are decades later, hypervigilant with a gut issue, anxiety because of something from way back then. It's fascinating to me how close the symptoms are to PTSD symptoms. Mm -hmm. It's so is post-betrayal syndrome, is it, uh, have there been brain scans done? Is it also a neurological injury as PTSD is? Well, here's what it is. It is very common to experience PTSD symptoms with, you know, after an experience with betrayal. So there's, there's that commonality for sure. And I think what most people don't realize is they just assume PTSD is, let's say, you know, the war vet who hears the car backfire and they feel like they're back, you know, in battle. And they don't, they don't think that something like betrayal, uh, you could have PTSD symptoms, but you absolutely can. And I remember reading one study where it was uh, the, the more dissociated you were, the more common the PTSD symptoms. And when you work through it, you actually alleviate the symptoms and move through your healing, which was definitely uh, part of the second two discoveries that I made. Has there been brain scans done though? That's one of the things that is shocking to me that isn't done. If you get a broken arm, you get an x-ray. Yeah. Uh, and with neurological injuries, 
if you don't do the brain scan, how do you know what you're dealing with? And mm -hmm. what we're talking about here is the, the overlap, and there's got to be all kinds of misdiagnosis between PTSD and post-betrayal syndrome, if it's even recognized in, and is it recognized let's start there is post-betrayal uh syndrome widely recognized or is that um are, are you alone in the wilderness here with this i'm getting the message out it's been discovered since my study so it's it's really my intention just to have as many people as possible understand that this is real and we have you know we have the study we have the data to prove it so um the more the more uh I get the message out the more we have our coaches and practitioners who are now certified in the third discovery, the more they know about it, the more attention this is getting. Because like, for example, you could, let's say you have a gut issue, you can go to the absolute best, most well-meaning gut expert. But if they don't understand there's an unhealed betrayal at the root of it, you're, you're just getting to a piece of the, of the issue. You're not nearly getting to what caused it in the first place. So uh, it's our intention at the PBT Institute to just get as many uh, practitioners and, and uh, people who can actually, who are actually working with people to understand that it's highly likely that there's an unhealed betrayal at the root. It's often said that PTSD has to be encoded in fear in order for it to meet the diagnosis, to, for it to fit in the DSM. But I'm starting to wonder, if all these symptoms are so similar, do you think it could be the same thing? That it could be the same, that PTSD is the same as post-betrayal syndrome? I want to make sure I understand your question. Yes, uh, that uh, because trauma is trauma is trauma, whether it be sexual mm -hmm. trauma, war trauma, mm -hmm. um, the the effects on people's lives seem to be very, very similar. So could it yeah. be the same thing? Uh, actually, it's different. And that was the first discovery. It's I was originally studying betrayal and post-traumatic growth. And for those who aren't familiar, post-traumatic growth, I sort of define it as the upside of trauma, how that trauma, death of a loved one, disease, natural disaster, whatever it is, leaves you with a new awareness, insight, perspective you didn't have. But I had been through death of a loved one and I'd been through disease. And I was like, no, betrayal feels different for me. I didn't want to assume it was the same for all my study participants. So I asked them, if you've been through other traumas, uh, besides betrayal, does it feel different for you? Unanimously, they said it's so different and here's why. Because it feels so intentional, we take it so personally. So the entire self is shattered. Rejection, abandonment, belonging, confidence, worthiness, trust. They're all shattered and they all need to be rebuilt. So it didn't quite qualify as post-traumatic growth. It's like, yes, you need to rebuild your life, but you also need to rebuild the self. So I coined a new term, post-betrayal transformation. That's the complete and total rebuild of your life and yourself after an experience with betrayal. Because while trauma is trauma is trauma, it's the intentionality and the attack to the self that differentiates betrayal from other traumas. It's certainly not to say what's better or what's worse. They all stink. But that's the differentiator right there. I'm still seeing so many similarities, and in, including in, in mindset of what has to happen in order to move forward and to, mm -hmm. to slide into post-traumatic growth. Uh, one of the big things that I talk about all the time is the difference between, um, it's IR theory, identity versus role. So, um, who you and tra transactional analysis. So, who you actually are as a human being and your ego, they're not the same thing. And when something happens to you, it didn't happen because of you. Mm -hmm. How do you work with people to get them to get it? That yes, this person did this 
to you, but not because of you. It's not mm -hmm. your fault. Because right. um, how is that not one of the core, core components to rebuilding the self? A hundred percent. Even though it happened to you, it's not about you. Actually, what you're saying happens at a specific stage in healing, and that's the third discovery. This for me was the most exciting. And what we learned was while we can stay stuck for years, decades, a lifetime, and so many people do, if we're going to fully heal, and by fully heal, I mean those symptoms of post-betrayal syndrome that I shared, whatever collection of them you have, to that fully healed place where you rebuilt yourself and your life, that place called post-betrayal transformation, you're going to go through five now proven predictable stages. And what's even more exciting about that is we know what happens physically, mentally, and emotionally at every stage. And we know what it takes to move from one stage to the next. There's a roadmap for healing. And I'm happy to share the stages if that would serve. Are they any different than uh, the stages of grief? 100%. Okay, well, let's get into it. Yeah. Grief has a very important place in healing, but it's very different from the stages of grief. And, and this was, this was, like I said, so exciting to discover that there is this roadmap. The stages do not switch. You do not leave out a stage. If you're going to fully heal, you will move through all five. Uh, and I can talk about the timing of all of that. Anyway, it's all mapped out in trust again. It's what our co coaches are certified in. It's what we teach within the PBT Institute. Here's a, a boiled down version for you right here. So Perfect. stage one is like a setup stage. And if you can imagine four legs of a table, the four legs being physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. What I saw with everybody, me too, was this heavy lean on the physical and the mental thinking and doing, and kind of neglecting uh, the emotional and the spiritual, the feeling and being. Now, if a table only has two legs, easy for that table to topple over. That's us. Stage two, shock, trauma, D-Day, discovery day, the scariest of all of the stages. And this is the breakdown of the body, the mind, and the worldview. Right here, you've ignited the stress response. You're headed for every single stress-related symptom, illness, condition, disease. Your mind is in a complete and total state of chaos and overwhelm. You cannot wrap your mind around the information you just learned. Makes no sense. And your worldview has just been shattered. Your worldview is your mental model. The rules that govern you, that prevent chaos, don't go there, trust this person, this is how life works. And in one earth-shattering moment or series of moments, Every rule you've known to be real and true is no longer. The bottom is truly bottomed out on you and a new bottom hasn't been formed yet. So this is very scary, right? But if the bottom were to bottom out on you, what would you do? You'd grab hold of anything you could to stay safe and stay alive. That's stage three. Survival instincts emerge. It's the most practical out of all of the stages. If you can't help me, get out of my way. How do I survive this experience? Where do I go? Who can I trust? How do I feed my kids? Here's the trap though. Stage three, by far is the most common place we get stuck. And here's why. Once we figured out how to survive our experience, because it feels so much better than the shock and trauma of where we just came from, we're like, okay, I got this. And we think it's good. And because we don't know there's anywhere else to go, we don't know there's a stage four or stage five, transformation doesn't even begin until stage four. But because we don't know there's anywhere else to go, we plant roots here. We're not supposed to, but we don't know that. And four things happen. The first thing is we start getting all these small self benefits. You know, we get to be right. We get our story. 
We get someone to blame. We get a target for our anger. We get sympathy from everyone we tell our story to, right? And on some level that feels good. So we plant deeper roots. Again, we're not supposed to, but we don't know that. And now because we're here longer than we should be, the mind starts doing things like, well, maybe you're not all that great. Maybe you deserved it. Maybe this, maybe that. So we plant deeper roots. Now, since this is the, these are the thoughts we're thinking, well, this is the energy we're putting out. And like energy attracts like energy. So now we're calling situations and circumstances and relationships towards us to confirm this is where we belong. The misery loves company crowd. They come around now too. It gets worse, but I'll get you out of here. Because it feels so bad, but we don't know there's anywhere else to go, we resign ourselves. We're like, this stinks, but I have to get through my day. So right here, we start using food, drugs, alcohol, work, TV, keeping busy, reckless behavior, anything to numb, avoid, and distract ourselves from what's so painful to feel or face. So think about it. We do that for a day, a week, a month. Now it's a habit, a year, 10 years, 20 years. And I can see someone 20 years out and say, that emotional eating you're doing, that drinking you're doing, that, that numbing in front of the TV, do you think that has anything to do with your betrayal? And they would look at me like I'm crazy. But see, it happened 20 years ago. All they did was put themselves in stage three and stay there. Does that make sense? So stage three being um, addictive, Mm -hmm. what comes to mind is the victim mentality. Because I've seen it again and again and again in this community. Is Because um, you talk about the payoffs, the cookies that they get for, mm-hmm. for, yeah. for being the victims. Like, well, if I'm an injured veteran or a first responder, mm-hmm. well, there's all these different resources for me. There's this community. There's these peer support groups. There's all these um, benefits. And I get to have the status of wounded veteran or wounded first responder. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of nice because you get this respect and you, and you get this attention from people. And mm-hmm. if respect and attention is what you're missing in your life, and this is the place that you find it, of mm-hmm. course it's addicting. And uh, how does somebody get past yeah. that? You know, I love that you brought that up because we we find this, and, and the study even proved support is crucial, but the wrong type of support does more harm than good. For example, let's say you're in a support group. Let's say, let's take betrayal, and you're in a group, and it's sort of like the ain't it awful club. You mm-hmm. actually will sabotage your healing because if you heal, you don't belong. You see? So what we do is we'll sabotage ourselves so that we fit. And and that's why when we leave stage three, and I'm happy to share the rest of the stages, when we leave stage three to move to stage four, one of the most common things we see are changes in relationships. Because if your relationships were based on the lack, the scarcity, the what isn't working, the what don't I have, and then all of a sudden you make that you make that decision, you know what, there's got to be something better than this. And I've been through the worst of it already. I owe it to myself to go through that transformation. A lot of people won't, you know, they're, they're, not, they're not there with you. They're, you know, they're, they're uncomfortable with your changes. They're happy, no, they're happy, content maybe with where they are. So it's very common to outgrow certain relationships when you're undergoing a transformation and we'll sabotage ourselves because we don't want to grow out of them. And this is also, and correct me if you disagree, this is also why people hear about rock bottom and how mm-hmm. it takes rock bottom sometimes a little bit too often before people go, ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> this is this sucks yeah. you know and, and then the ego's gone and and you realize this that i did this 
and only I can, I am the problem, I am the solution. And I've been sabotaging myself. Is that where rock bottom comes from? That's where rock bottom, that dark night of the soul, it is one of the most profound uh, experiences that we can use as a, as a catalyst for transformation. And and it's it's that moment. Sometimes it is that moment of there's got to be something better than this. And and just to get you out of stage three here, because I promised everybody I'd get you out of stage three, because uh, we don't want to be there a minute longer than we need to. When you're here's where grieving is really important too, because here's where um, we acknowledge and accept. I can't change what happened, but I control what I do with it. To your point, right? So just in that decision. You turn the stress response down. You're not healing just yet, but you just stopped the massive damage you've been creating in stage two and stage three. The way stage four is, which is finding and adjusting to a new normal, it's like if you've ever moved. If you've ever moved to a new house, office, condo, apartment, whatever, your stuff's not all there. It's not quite cozy yet, but it's going to be okay. Stage four feels like that, but think about it. If you were to move, you don't take everything with you. You don't take the things that don't represent who you're ready to be, who you want to be in this new space. And that's why if your friends weren't there for you, or if you're on this new growth trajectory and they're not coming along, they don't come with you right here. So it's so common. People say to me all the time, what the heck? I've had these friends 10, 20, 30 years. Is it me? Yes, it is. You're undergoing a transformation very common. When we've settled into this new stage, mentally we've made it okay, we've made it home, we move into the fifth most beautiful stage. And this is healing, rebirth, and a new worldview. The body starts to heal. Self-love, self-care, eating well, exercise. We didn't have the bandwidth for that earlier. Now we do. The mind is healing. We're making new rules. We're making new boundaries based on the road we just traveled. And we have a new worldview based on our entire experience and what we see so clearly now. And the four legs of the table, it was all about the physical and the mental. By this point, we're solidly grounded because we're focused on the emotional and the spiritual too. Those are the five stages. It comes to mind, an uh, old buddy of mine, Greg Reed, down in San Diego. And one of his... Is, so is he the three feet from gold guy? He's the three feet from gold guy. I love that book. Yeah, he's a good dude. And, uh, well, just a bit of a sidetrack. Have you ever been to his Secret Knock events? No. Oh, my gosh. Uh, you would absolutely love one of his Secret Knock events. So um, they're invite only, but I know a guy that knows a guy. Get you in. <laughs> Sounds um, interesting. I'm in. Then you, need, then you need to know the, the, the Secret Knock. They're, they're fantastic. But one All of right. Greg's um, soapbox platforms is the rule of five so you are a net result of the five people you hang around with most we've heard a thousand different variations of this if you want to soar with the eagles you can't hang out with the turkeys uh, you know mm -hmm. that sort of thing mm -hmm. um, but it's true um, it, the five people you hang out with the most will be a reflection of yourself in mm -hmm. attitude in uh, income uh, worldview you name it, your political mm -hmm. choices, how you vote, everything is a reflection of the top five people that you hang out with uh, mm -hmm. the most. My wife and I have seen this with each other. Uh, she was uh, all the way lefty, and I, I don't know where I was, but it wasn't there. And um, and we've kind of met each other in the middle. It's like, oh, that's an interesting point. And, and that's interesting. It's like, oh, I hadn't looked at it that way. Well, either did I. Yeah. And we have actual conversations to not find what's right or left, but to find what we think is correct, uh, mm -hmm. what is moral. 
which is the conversation we should have. Of course, it's always ego that gets in the way of having these conversations, which, which exactly. is atrocious. But um, how important is the rule of five in choosing the, the, the people around you to be able to grow and, and get to stage five? It's it's crucial, and and it, we're doing this video. Uh, is this by video? Because I'll do something with my hands that your entire audience will remember it forever. Okay. Right. So when you're, if it's audio as well, we can explain. It's all the above. Okay, great. So here, are my hands are side by side, where, where my fingers are touching one another. This is where we are uh, before our our traumatic experience, right before betrayal, and then where we we have our we experience the betrayal, we are so devastated and so much pain, we just want that pain to end. So without doing the work to heal, we just keep going back for more of the same. That is the only thing we can expect or receive is just more of the same. And this is the biggest mistake people make. They say, I mean, so much pain, it's so devastating. I just wanna be with someone and end this pain. Well, here's what needs to happen. Instead, once that betrayal has happened, once that pain is there, this is the best time to do the work to heal. So what happens is you need to heal physically, mentally, and emotionally. When you do, I'm elevating my hand right up. Now, if we're so committed to this person right here, our group of friends, our betrayer, whoever, what we will do is keep sabotaging ourselves because we don't want to outgrow them. But we like it up here, right? So we want to stay. And then at some point we get frustrated. We're like, well, why can't they do this? Well, they're not ready. So if we're so committed to this person after our betrayal and we do this, eventually we get this. Now I have one hand sort of looking down at the other. The other hand is looking up where we're like, Ooh, I'm not the least bit interested in you. And the other person's like, what happened to you? So what has to happen is we need to do this work without any intention of what this person's going to do. Right. And who knows? they can elevate themselves and then you meet up again right here. This is actually what I did with my husband. Uh, and we, we as two completely transformed people, we both did this on our own and married each other again up here. Uh, what happens though is if you do this work and you're up here, one of the greatest things you can do for yourself is find your like-minded people up here because it will carry you. It will support you. It will help you. And to your point, these are the five people you want to spend the most time with because then you won't have as big of an interest in sabotaging yourself to meet up with the people over here that you know. There are so many people that become a recluse, both with uh, PTSD and uh, I'm, I'm sure with post-betrayal syndrome, mm-hmm. um, because trusting, the idea of trusting is just too much. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of soldiers end up becoming truck drivers just to avoid mm-hmm. people because they don't trust themselves. They don't want to yeah. um, uh, lose their temper and, and have conflict. So it's like, I'm crawling into a truck and I'm not getting out. Yeah. <clears throat> what is... Uh, for the people that can't find their people, mm-hmm. um, is, is it enough to get on YouTube and look at inspirational stuff and read the right books, that kind of thing? Like, what do you say to the person who just cannot uh, socialize with people uh, after a major betrayal or trauma? Yeah, this is what I would say. When you do the work to move through the stages, you become an entirely different person. So the work uh, I wouldn't, you know, it's it, I wouldn't recommend. Well, just finding your people now because your people will be 
dramatically different when uh, when you're in uh, from one stage to the next. So, I mean, that's why within the PBT Institute, we have that right type of support that's there to lift and inspire, not to just, you know, cut you down or just complain or whatever. So whatever that uh, resource is for you, I mean, that's why I wrote Trust Again. I was like, at the very least, here's a book that can help move you through the stages so you don't stay stuck. But uh, the, more important than finding your people is moving through the stages so you find the right people. And what are the right people? What does that look like? It, it, it really depends on the stage, but it, it but it, if I were to sum it up, it's people who, because people who haven't been betrayed, they don't get it. They don't understand. Mm -hmm. And they're coming through their lens. Like even we have a lot of people coming into the Institute with therapy trauma, you know, it could be the most well-meaning therapist, but think about this now that you know the stages, if that therapist isn't highly skilled in betrayal, let's say they're just letting that person, they're just, they're, the person feels heard. Well, that, that has a purpose and all, but if anything is gonna root you to stage three like cement, it's going over your story over and over and over again without coming out of it with anything that could potentially move you an inch you closer to stage four. It sounds or, like ART therapy would be a really bad thing to do when you're in stage three then. Stage three, we have to be so careful about the types of therapy we do. There's That's a great stage two, you know, where we want to unpack it and understand it, but then we want to do those action-oriented steps that, that and, and listen, I, I'm a psychologist, but I'm a coach first, and I will hear someone's story so that I know what to do with it. Because even if it's if it's something, one little thing that can give them a sense of, uh, I can do this, you know, one step, just one step, it's, it's a step preventing them from staying stuck in stage three. Because the longer you're in stage three, the harder it is to leave. You uh, label yourself as a holistic psychologist. Mm -hmm. What does that mean and how is that different from what we typically see out there with talk therapy? Yeah. Well, you know, when I say holistic psychologist, the, the PhD is in transfer, uh, it's transpersonal psychology. That's transformation. Um, it, it's human growth and potential transformation. It's all of that. But I'm bringing in 30 years of, I have a very strong health background. So it's, it's health and mindset and personal development and psychology and spirituality. And what happens with betrayal is it hits us on every level. So we can't just experience full healing if we're only healing on one level. Like for example, you know, you may have heard the issues are in the tissues. I mean, this is really true that trauma gets stuck. And if we don't find a way to release that trauma, um, it shows up in other ways and it shows up in those physical conditions like what we, you know, when we started speaking. Talk to me about trauma and the immune system. Do you see a relationship? Because I sure do. Absolutely. Because of, let's say adrenal fatigue, adrenal dysfunction is something so mm -hmm. common. And then it suppresses and that stress suppresses the immune system. And then it absolutely affects the gut because about 80% of your immune system is in the gut. And for example, it, I look at the gut like it's, it's like uh, an internal army. You know, when it's strong, it protects its borders. When it's weakened, it's as if the army is fast asleep and invaders get through. So you may be eating the most wonderful diet, but if you're not holding on to the, the, the powerful supportive nutrients and you're just allowing in the things that shouldn't be there, your gut's going to be a mess. And it's, it's so common. And, and you know, what's so interesting is think about what the gut does. It absorbs, digests, and processes food. Well, isn't a betrayal difficult to absorb, digest, and process? Like any wonder why the gut is off. 
And do you recommend dietary changes and uh, nutritional supplements as Abs- part of the healing absolutely. process? Yeah, anything, we, we even anything in particular. We do. We we created an entire line of uh, this is one of the you know just a, a healthy whole clean supplement com- company. It's just our label, certainly not our recipe. I'm not nearly that smart, <laughs> but it's it's handling the most common symptoms we experience after betrayal. So we have the, our stage three, our phase three line is entirely for the gut because of how. Uh, the gut is affected. And we have, you know, we have uh, for the adrenals, we have for the nervous system, we have, um, we have smoothie mixes too, because think about it, you're, you're so overwhelmed. Uh, and, and the day can be so chaotic to, to, to even think about meal prep can be enough just to throw you, you know, so we just make it super easy. Um, I've had on the show a couple of times, uh, Dr. Kaplan, Dr. Bonnie Kaplan, and she wrote the book, uh, The Better Brain, which is Mm -hmm. also really taking off. And she's been on a couple of times, and the amount of science that is there that supports the idea that your brain is a hungry, hungry hippo. If you don't feed it properly, Mm -hmm. uh, it's really, really tough to get any kind of progress with post-traumatic growth. Mm -hmm. So... um, so I, w- I would recommend listening to that episode for yourself and, and getting her book, The Better Brain, because th- the science is certainly there. And um, if <laughs> that that dirty cycle too, uh, that negative feedback loop of you're suffering from depression, anxiety, you're easily overwhelmed, and now you have to have a kick-ass meal plan. Oh, too much. So the idea of supplements is um, a lot easier. And when we look at over large subject areas of traumatized communities, those that are on the supplements versus those that aren't, those that are on the supplements present way, way less symptoms. So I uh, certainly can't support that enough, that um, uh, nutrition is absolutely key and, and good on you for, for having a, a line of nutrition that uh, that makes sense and that you've researched and that uh, makes sense for uh for people to support their healing. I, I think it's critical and shocking how all we do, all, all that happens with the psychiatrist is uh, here's some dopamine. Good luck. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, um, it, it doesn't, it's, it's a tragedy. It, that's it. And I, I, I am so on the same page. We, we need to uh, really rewire the brain. And that's what needs to happen after betrayal. But as you're doing that, there's so much uh, between the anxiety and the brain fog and the exhaustion. It's like, we, we need to address that too. And then we also need to release the trauma from the tissues. So it's not a, it's not a one-step approach. It's, that's why it is holistic. It needs to, uh, we need to work on every, every level. Like I said, every level is impacted. So every level needs to be healed. Within the PTSD community, what I've seen time and time again, and certainly in my case, is when you tie in betrayal uh, mm-hmm. with um, with PTSD from super scary events, big intense things, mm-hmm. the most damaged people I've seen have a combination of the two. Uh, an example of that would be uh, somebody who is your boss, who is putting you unnecessarily at risk and then somebody mm-hmm. dies which i have mm-hmm. seen mm-hmm. um <laughs> our whole battalion has seen and mm-hmm. when when that happens you have the betrayal because the risk was unnecessary we all accept risk in our profession yeah. you know that's, that's just part mm-hmm. of the job that's fine mm-hmm. uh, but when 
the the higher ups were warned if you do this it's going to be bad don't do it mm -hmm. and they ignore that and they do it anyway and then poof somebody's dead that is a yeah. a, a betrayal of trust that is deep yeah uh, and um are, are, do you also find that when, when you blend the two, uh, you blend moral injury in? Uh, and would you consider moral injury, like betrayal, to be a moral injury? Yes, it, it very much so. And in fact, we had Dr. Uh, Sam Shea on our program. And uh, he, he, I believe it was his father who discovered uh, and did the research on moral injury. So it was a really interesting episode. Don't have the number on From Betrayal to Breakthrough, my podcast, but a really interesting um, discussion we had there. Uh, but absolutely. And, and you know, what we found too is when these, when these experiences aren't healed, there's this aspect to them that becomes so familiar. Like, for example, let's say you were betrayed early on, you know, mom or dad did something awful, whatever it was. And when that's not cleaned up, it's so, uh, I don't want to say natural, but so common to move into these types of dysfunctional relationships, not because they're good, they're just so familiar. So we can spend a lifetime going from, you know, one dysfunctional, toxic relationship to another, and we can only assume that it's us because it's not healed. And what happens is there's this profound lesson. I'm not suggesting at all that it's our fault. It's our opportunity. There's a profound lesson waiting to be learned. You know, you are lovable, worthy, deserving. You need better boundaries in place, whatever it is, particularly for you. And until and unless you get that, you'll have opportunities in the form of people to teach you. You know, we can spot an unhealed betrayal from a mile away. Now that's not necessarily what you're speaking of with someone, you know, in combat. And it's a, it's an entirely different story. I'm just speaking of relational betrayal, but in, in, in the case that you just mentioned, it could be betrayal of, it's a betrayal of trust. It's a betrayal of expectations. It's uh, there are so many different types of betrayal and it's um, it's devastating because we, we trusted this person and it's just always shock. It's the shock of it as well. The shock lands itself on our body, mind, and heart every single time. It seems that abuse of authority is a common betrayal. Mm -hmm. And this is why child sexual crimes, um, I mean, <laughs> an incredible betrayal of, mm -hmm. of trust and, and, and so incredibly damaging. Now, I am curious about your views on in neutral betrayal. So where I'm going with this is something that I haven't really gone down the rabbit hole of very mm -hmm. much is adoption trauma. I'm adopted at birth myself mm -hmm. and uh, met my birth mother at both the age of 31, give or take. And just some of the snippets that I've been seeing is that there's something about that, something about uh, being given up at birth that even though, I mean, you don't remember it, it was at birth, uh, but there's something about that that seems to stick. Do you believe that it can go that far back, that those uh, things from, from a distant past, even in neutral, can, oh. uh, can, can affect your life? 100% hmm. because, you know, and we have a lot of people that, that come, you know, come our way from this exact experience because they feel they were given up and until they realize they were chosen by that other family and, and, you know, sort of sink their teeth into that one. It's, uh, there's, there's the, think about all the aspects of the self that are shattered with betrayal, rejection, abandonment, you know, belonging, 
confidence, worthiness, trust. So this is so common for someone who's been adopted and it absolutely needs to be addressed and needs to be worked on and needs to be healed and can be. Well, it's an interesting one and one that I haven't explored with all the work I've done. <laughs> it's been interesting that I haven't explored that particular one. Probably because it hurts the most. Oh, probably. It's probably a core trauma. But yeah. we'll, we'll get to her. I'll have to have somebody on the show. If you know of anybody, <laughs> <laughs> we'll go down that rabbit hole as, as well. But we're at about the 40-minute mark. Is there uh, anything that you think we've missed that the audience really should know about betrayal? Yeah. You know, I, I would say... I know how painful it is. I mean, I, I could have been the poster child for betrayal. I mean, think about it. Everybody that I trusted betrayed me. Um, or you could do something with it. I didn't do anything anybody else couldn't do. I, I, I just moved through the stages. I mean, that's, that's it. And it's available to anyone. Um, stage three stinks. And there's no reason to stay there. There's no reason to stay there. And when you realize the, how much more you gain when you move through the stages, stage four and five, uh, we have seen new levels of health, new relationships, new businesses. They're all birthed in stage four and five. They don't happen in stage three. So you owe it to yourself just to move through the stages, however you can, whatever pace you can. And you're going to say firmly that it is possible to trust again. It's 100%, not just uh, possible, predictable. Let's close out with this. What's the upside of betrayal? And where I'm going with that is because there's got to be an upside. I know there is. Mm -hmm. um, the journey that I've seen so many people on for recovering from PTSD, including myself, is mm -hmm. that the person you have to become to overcome it is a much better version of you than, than the person that you were. And is that, uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, a, a, a person in stage five is dramatically different from that person, uh, that same person before betrayal. You know, look at it like this. Imagine uh, Legos, you know, Legos, right? You can, you can create a structure. It doesn't mean it's a good one. It's just a structure and you're just there. And then betrayal shatters all of it. Well, post-betrayal transformation is where you deliberately and intentionally rebuild something magnificent that never would have had the opportunity to be rebuilt had it not gotten completely wrecked. And it's only with the death of the old can you birth something entirely new. Um, you know, the same thing with, uh, let's say with relationships, you're in a relationship. What so many people do is they're so afraid of that death and destruction of the old that they just keep patching it up, patching it up, patching it up. Betrayal lends itself to a complete and total crash and burn. And then you have an opportunity to, to build something that otherwise, you know, never would have existed. That's the upside. Without conflict in our lives, without some, uh, uh, without a hill to climb, uh, I mean, who are you? <laughs> you just you're, you're you're just treading water, and uh, people really fight against the idea of what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. But I think that is really really misunderstood what that phrase means. It is what. Um, doesn't kill you gives you an opportunity to rise it gives you an opportunity to be more than and to grow and you have to grow to overcome anything to learn anything new whether it's about yourself or about the world you have to grow you have to expand and that is hard gosh darn work no matter how you look at it that's so true but just like a muscle it needs the stress on it to grow yeah 100 um dr debbie 
thank you so much for being on here with me today. I really appreciate it. It's um, a rabbit hole that uh, I haven't gone down yet. So thank you so much. I don't know what we're at, episode 232 or something like that. Thank you. But it's uh, fantastic that we're exploring this incredibly important subject. And thank you so much for the incredibly difficult and critical work that you do for, for, for all your patients. Thank you so much. Thank you. Please stay on the line. You're listening to Operation Tango Romeo, the trauma recovery podcast for veterans, first responders, and their families. Hello, my friends. Thank you for sharing your time with me today. I hope you found value in today's episode. If you found this episode helpful, healing, or informative, please let me know by leaving a rating on either Spotify or Apple. And please share, share like the sugar bear on all of your social media channels. Because sharing is caring.